every person has a story. Every single person on this planet means something to someone. They're a mother or father, a brother or sister, a friend. They are precious. Precious to someone and, more importantly, to God. Precious to God because they are a created masterpiece made in His image. They have hopes and dreams of what they want to accomplish, and some hold regret over what their lives have become. But every one of them has a choice to change the direction of their life. It's an incredible gift. It truly is a gift from God. So don't waste the chance at living your life to the fullest for Jesus. Use this time to reflect the image of Christ, to be set apart, to be different, to swim against the stream and live a life that is unique and ultimately precious. Well, good morning. Welcome to Belong Church. I just want to look right into the camera right off the bat and say we are so glad that you're joining us. As an online church, as a community that we are creating for those who may not have it as easy, accessible to go to a brick-and-mortar building like has been so traditional throughout all of the history, actually. And it's a different world that we live in, like the Amazon era and all these different things. We just want you to know that we are here for you. So we'd love to hear from you. In fact, the stories I've heard this week have just been amazing. Um, Many of them actually brought tears to my eyes hearing what God is doing. So please don't hesitate to communicate with us. If you're watching and you got the chat there, go ahead and send us a chat. If you're listening to the podcast, send us an email. We love hearing from you. Can you believe it is already June 23rd? It seems like this whole year has already gone by, and before you know it, it will be Christmas in July, and then before you know it again, it will be actual Christmas. I'm going to have to do a countdown to it really soon. But I love the video that we opened up with talking about we are precious in his sight. And I feel like that so many of the times we can get the image, or maybe it's a struggle, but we finally attain to getting the image that we are precious in his sight, in God's sight. But sometimes we don't translate that into how we are precious in anyone else or to anyone else or how precious they are or should be in our sight. And sometimes we just get caught up in our own things. In fact, a few weeks ago, I was going to eat dinner, and it was my, me, my breakfast because I work nights. But as I'm going, I didn't turn on my GPS this particular day, which is kind of unusual for me. But as I'm driving down, I get to 30, and I'm heading over to Arlington, and all of a sudden, it's a sea of red stoplights. And I'm like, oh my gosh, everyone is breaking and everyone's stopping and I I wonder what's going on. I'm like, "Ah, maybe it's just construction, maybe the game is letting out. And then I reached over and I opened up the GPS just to see how bad my decision was for going this way. And it is a sea of red stoplights. It's solid red on the GPS. I know I'm in trouble. See, I'm thinking maybe the other roads were bad too and hey, it's just what it is. But there was apparently a crash, a bad crash there going on. In fact, they had all the lanes shut down and leading off to the access road. So it took a very, very long time, 30, 45 minutes, close to an hour that I'm just sitting there in traffic. 
And I found myself getting really, really annoyed. And I found myself getting really upset, honestly, because this was such an inconvenience to me. But I finally made it to the restaurant, and I had my dinner, and I had my sweet tea, which makes my day so much better. My disposition is better. And as I went to leave, I mean, I was there probably a good hour, hour and a half. As I go to leave, going the opposite direction, I saw the crash was still there. The the interstate was officially closed off. They had backed everybody off, and it's all shut down. It wasn't until the next day that I realized the reality of how terrible that crash was. Likely, it was a fatality. Likely, someone or more than someone lost their life. Maybe they were fighting for their lives. And all I could think about was how this affected me. How terrible is that? See, I wasn't concerned with what was going on with anybody else, but how it was going to make me late to have lunch, to have dinner. I have a question for you. Are we self-absorbed or other conscious? Are we self-absorbed, that it's all about me, or are we thinking about others so we can say we're other conscious of what's going on to those around us? In Florida, when we were still raising our children up, we had this whole great, um, I don't even know what you call it, a teaching, uh, lessons, and we all went through it as parents. It's called Growing Kids God's Way. And here we'd already had several kids at this point, and like, hey, we got a pretty good handle on this, but hey, let's go in and just go through this class, and it's going to be great. And one of the things that they talked about was the preciousness of others. And I will tell you of all of the different lessons, I I think it was eight to 12 lessons that we, we went every week and had just great time with other families that we were all raising our children together. And, it, and this past week was Father's Day, and it was a great moment for me as I, I'm getting up and getting ready to think about all of the, the families that we were all together, that we were raising our children together. Many of us went through growing kids together or went through it um, separately, but we knew the concepts, and, and our children just got to all grow up together. What a great treasure there was in that, and thought about all the different fathers that had helped pour into my children, and the fact that I got to be there to help pour into their children as well. But I will tell you of that whole thing, what I remember the most is preciousness of others, because it took my frame of reference at that time, and it shifted off of just me, 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 and it, it changes where you look and say, how is everything else affected to those around me? How can I turn from being self-absorbed into other conscious, the preciousness of others? The greatest example of selflessness, of course, is Jesus himself. His genuine, looking for nothing in return, love superseded what it would cost him to leave heaven. I want you to think about that for just a second. Here he is God. We talked about last week that it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So here's God the Son, Jesus, up there in heaven with God ruling the entire world. And he says, my love for them. They have nothing they can give me back. 
He's looking for nothing in return. It's like, but it's going to cost me giving my life. That love superseded what it was going to cost him. If you'll turn your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. If you don't have your Bible, you'll see it up here on the screen. It says, being found in appearance as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And I want us to look at those, those couple of things that I highlighted. I want us to look at humbled. Jesus, God, okay? I mean, God, okay? People say the euphemism of Jesus Christ all the time is a, is a bad thing. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ, God humbled himself. And he became obedient. Who did he have to obey? He's God. He humbled himself. He became obedient even to death. Death at the worst time in history. The worst time in history when the capital punishment was the most painful, the most excruciating. I mean, if Jesus was alive today and, and the whole scenario was in today's society, he would get the death penalty. And he would be taken into the, the chambers there and they'll strap him down and they would put a needle in his arm and give him a lethal injection. And you can look at that and go, man, you know, Jesus died for my sin. But no, it was the worst time in history where they nailed his physical body to this wooden cross and the agony of the pain and the blood that just came out of him, and he bled out. Even death on the cross. But you see, Jesus was our example in all things. Not only in living, and I've said many times that Jesus could have just come as a sacrifice. He could have just came, showed up, and went out there and, and, went, and went to the cross and was crucified and died and then raised again, and boom, he's off. He says, okay, I've paid the price. But no, he came as a baby. He raised up as a young man, as a, as a teenager, and, and became a man and went through everything. At the age of 30, entered into his ministry following the customs of the Hebrews at that time and still many today. And, and he went through all of it to say that, hey, I went through everything that you're going through. He was our great example, but not only in those things, but in all things. As I see the scripture, I want us to say, and I'm talking to myself, and I encourage you, if you're writing notes, to write this down too. I need to Number one, I need to be like Jesus and humble myself. I need to say, hey, I'm not going to be all about just what's good for Kevin. What is good for me? Man, would you guys get out of my way so I can go eat? How horrible. I need to humble myself. The, the Bible says in another place, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and it will be him who lifts you up. The second part of that scripture is we need to become obedient. Who are we going to become obedient to? Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to the Father and the Father's will for his life. And that's what I need to do. May I suggest to you, looking straight into the camera, that's what you need to think about doing yourself. You need to humble yourself and become obedient to God to the plan of God for your life, to what God is calling you to do. And third, regardless of the cost. Because we can look at it and say, well, you know, I'll follow God and I'll obey God so long as it doesn't 
used to be when I was growing up, it'd be like, God, please don't send me to Africa. And then there's this funny song that, that came out, like, you know, God, please don't send me to Africa. I'll bear you anywhere you want me to go, but please don't send me to Africa. But can I tell you, we need to humble ourselves. We need to become obedient regardless of the cost. Because that's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for me. In John chapter 15, verse 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. The greatest thing, the greatest love that can happen, that can be extended, is when someone lays down their life. That they're no longer going to be taking their next breath their heart is going to be pumping one more time as a gift for their friends to go on. And yet, that's what Jesus did for me. That's what Jesus did for you. In Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at the different parables that were all listed here very soon. But we're kind of jumping in the middle of it in this. And Jesus is telling a parable about the different ways that the kingdom of heaven is like. And here's what he says. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. So imagine, and it wasn't necessarily the property way that we've got it going on now, so it wasn't necessarily fences everywhere. So this guy may be walking along, and he finds himself in the middle of a field, and he stumbles upon a treasure that's hidden there. Rather than stealing it, because that would be a dishonest, and that would not be following the Ten Commandments, that would not be the heart of God in any way, shape, or form, when he finds it, he goes and puts it back in where he found it, and over joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field because he knows what's in that field. He buys the field knowing that that treasure is hidden there. Instead of stealing it and running away, he does the honorable thing. Jesus says it another way in verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. Verse 46. And upon finding one pearl of great value, this ridiculous, extravagant pearl, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Can I tell you that the pearl, that hidden treasure, it's people. It's me. That's where we get the image of I'm precious in his sight. And when I was growing up in Sunday school, I sang that Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world. They are, finish the rest of it, they're precious in his sight. But not only are they precious, not only am I precious, they need to be precious in my sight. Not only in his side. See, the preciousness of others is not about my convenience or what inconveniences me or even those that are around me. The preciousness of others is what's going on in your life. I may be having a bad day, and, and can I tell you, last week I had, I had a significantly bad day. And rather than pull the covers up over my head like I wanted to, and rather than go through the, ah, oh, I can't believe this, and just and be in a rotten mood all day, you know what I did? I pulled out my phone, and I started finding people and saying, God, show me somebody to send a text to. And I started sending texts, and I'm like, hey, I'm praying for you, and I hope you're having a great day. I just want you to know I love you. I just want you to know somebody's thinking about you right now. 
And, and I followed up with a couple of them, and they're like, man, I was already having a great day, but man, that was just great. Can I tell you, I could have just sat there and looked at myself. The preciousness of others is saying, okay, I may be having a tough day, but I don't know what your day's like, and I want to be more about you than about me. When I first went to Christ for the Nations, there was a traveling group that I got the privilege of being in called Signs of Love. And there had been a sound guy previous to me. His name is Todd Cowan. And, and as he's, he left and he graduated, and then I came in as his replacement. And I heard stories about him all the time that he had already become a paramedic before coming to CFNI. And he actually still, in East Texas, is a paramedic, even to this day. I mean, he's been there for many, many years. He's just a great, wonderful person. But he always had his jump pack with him. He kept it in the back of the van. And if he saw an accident, if he saw somebody in danger, he would make them stop the van. So there's 15 people in this van. They're going to a church to set up. They're on a timetable every day. And he wasn't caring about any of that. He insisted on stopping to help. See, Todd was not all about what's good for him. He wasn't even about what was good for signs of love or even the church they're going to. He's like, man, we'll make up the time. I've got to help these people. That are here. In fact, Jesus tells a story about the Good Samaritan, about people that go past to see someone hurting on the side and they've been hurt and injured. And they're like, oh, I, this is going to mess up my schedule. So let me go over here and just give them their space and, and all these things. But see, Todd wasn't that person. He's like, man, I'm going to stop. And, and kind of all of my life, I've been kind of that same person. I've, I've always been interested in law enforcement and, and just wanting to be there to help people in their times of need. And, and if I see an accident, I, I, didn't, I didn't have Todd's skills and I didn't have a jump pack that I could help him out with, but I'd always stop and check on them, be the one to call 911 and get out in direct traffic. And, and I'd protect the scene and, you know, I would make sure they're all right. And, hey, let's get to a safe place. But then three years ago on Memorial Day, on a Sunday night, I was working and this car rear-ended me and totaled my Suburban. I was in a crash. And all of a sudden, this tragedy happened to me that shook my life. I end up with a concussion, and, and it's not about me in any way, shape, or form. But here's what happened. The next time I saw a crash, I freaked out. Because rather than having that natural tendency to run and find a place to position my car so that I'm protecting the scene and that I'm going to go up there and make, hey, are you all right? Are you all right? And call 911 and start giving them specifics. Hey, you're going to need two ambulances or we got this going on or that. I freaked out and I could not get away from there fast enough. And I came home sad and I told Lenore, I said, I can't believe what transition has happened inside of me because I felt so bad and I just wanted to get away from there. Can I tell you, it was PTSD. It really was this post-traumatic stress that I was experiencing. Seeing that crash brought back memories of what I went through. And it was horrible. Now, three years later, I just saw a crash that had just happened. And this was like a week ago, two weeks ago. And it had just, just happened. And in fact, I could see the head imprints in the windshield where, you know, there have been some bad things that happened. And my instinct, again, was to stop. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to because of traffic and everything. But I thought to myself, it's three years later, three years I went through this thing of avoiding 
what I would always run to. In fact, when I even got into law enforcement, it was because I loved being there to help people. Even if it was just a matter of protecting and making sure that the traffic could keep going on and, and protecting the scene, I loved being there to help. But can I tell you, the preciousness of others was superseded by my trauma. And you may be in that same situation, or maybe you know someone that's in that same situation, that the preciousness of others, where you would normally go out of your way to help people, it is now superseded by that trauma. In other words, trauma trumps that and pushes it down and says, no, we've been hurt, therefore we can't think about anybody else. Many of us have things in our past that even prevent us from. And, and to some, it may even appear that it's selfishness. But it's truly PTSD. You know, PTSD is typically and most often associated with returning soldiers. And it truly affects many others. It's not just about that. And, and I'm certainly not insensitive to that. And we should do more as a country. And we should go out of our way, the preciousness of others, for our returning soldiers and to be there with them and take that extra step. Even if it does cost you something, we need to be there for them. But the other effects of PTSD that isn't to the, to the returning soldiers is spousal abuse, child abuse. People are bullied. Workplace jealousies. I just heard again today of someone that was having to leave a job because someone was jealous and causing all this problem. People who've had miscarriages and, and failed marriages and friends or family commit suicide. We talked last week about suicide. That the devil's always trying to take us out. Can I tell you, the list goes on and on. I had someone very, very close to me take his life. And it's been almost four years ago now. And, and he was planning on being here when we launched the church and in all these plans and we're talking every day, multiple times a day through the struggles that he was having. And all of a sudden, I couldn't talk to him anymore. He wasn't answering his phone and three days later, I found out he'd taken his life. It affected me. I know people that had a family member that took their lives and every time, it comes any holidays or anything, you see the Facebook posts just start pop popping up. Not just one, multiples. This affects so many different people. Or you'll see somebody that their marriage has failed or their parents were bad to them and they've got all this trauma and all of a sudden the lens of everybody else is now viewed through what they went through. See, that isn't selfishness. I believe it's post-traumatic stress. And there's varying degrees of it, of course. But may I suggest to you that even the lesser degree of PTSD impacts us. And I might even suggest more. Because the lesser degree of PTSD impacts us more because we don't see it or recognize it. And so subsequently, we don't deal with it. If you don't deal with it because you don't see it and you don't recognize it, and if you don't think it's even there, then it's going to cause more problems in our lives. See, the lasting result, if we move from a tender heart or the preciousness of others to hardening our hearts and, be, and becoming a self-defense mechanism or becoming self-absorbed or like, I'm building these walls all around me that no one's going to hurt me again, we have this defensive mechanism 
See, when we do those things, we're moving into a place of pain from where God wants us to be in preciousness of others, which is why find freedom is one of our core tenets of our church. And I talk about it very often, but the four R. Number one, we want you to know God. If you don't know God, you're never going to make it any other steps along the way. And knowing God is first, of course, making that prayer and accepting him. But it's also getting to know God and having this relationship. And we'll never stop knowing God. There will not be a time that we say, hey, I know all about God. There's nothing more I can learn. That's like me saying I know everything about my wife. We've been married next month. It will be 26 years, and there's still things I'm learning about her that I didn't know in this time. Probably when we've been married for 50 years, there's going to be some things I'm still finding out. Or maybe I was too um, ignorant with my head in the sand to find out along the way. But anyway, nevertheless. But we'll never get through unless we're knowing God. We develop this personal relationship. And number two is to find freedom. Number three is to discover your purpose. And, and we have the growth track to help you do that and to help you find out why God created you. And number four, to make a difference. And we talked about making a difference a lot last week. But I want you to take this little mini test when it comes to being the preciousness of others. And, and I want us to put it up. I think we're going to have it on the screen. It says, I don't have time to, and then I want you to fill in the blank. What is it you would say, I don't have time to? Pastor Kevin, that's great for all these things, that, these, these needs for other people, but I, I just don't have time to fill in the blank. How about this one? I can't afford to tithe or to give to the church because... I know God's blessing is on paying tithe, which is a 10% of my income. And I know God says that he will rebuke the devourer on my, my behalf whenever I obey. And I know there's obedience involved with that. But I can't afford to because, how about this one? My career is more important than fill in the blank. How'd you do on that mini test? Have you taken the time to humble yourself? to obey the word of God? That when he says, hey, I want you to take your time and come over here and, and help in this area, or I want you to give, and this is, but, but God, you don't understand, I'm wanting a new car, or I'm wanting this, he's like, no, I want you to do this. Or he says, hey, I want you to, this over here, you're like, but my career's making me do this, maybe. You got all of these tug of wars going on. Let me ask you this. Where am I on this scale? And I'm encouraging you to review this as well, of being self-absorbed or selfless. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being self-absorbed or 10 being selfless, where would you put yourself? And if you're writing notes, I would encourage you to find that point and maybe even write the number in there and circle it. And when you go back and review your notes maybe in a few months from now, maybe in a year from now, maybe some years from now even, you'll go back and say, wow, I've been working on this and I've had some progress. See, the lack of preciousness of others can be because of trauma. We just talked about it in great detail. It can also be from immaturity, ouch. 
It could be because you haven't grown up yet. I'm, wait, 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 wait. Let me just say that differently. Maybe it's because I haven't grown up. I'm sure it's not applying to anyone else but me. Of course. Immaturity. Am I not to that point yet where I can say, hey, I'm not going to be worried about helping others because I'm only looking out for myself? Or maybe it's lack of knowledge. But can I tell you, lack of knowledge is resolved this morning. That's the purpose of this message, is you can no longer say, I have lack of knowledge. But really, you say, okay, I understand. But clearly, the heart of God is what I started off with. It is the preciousness of others. Denying myself, and that is the example that Jesus gave us. And Jesus says, I lay down what I had in heaven to come to earth. Romans 5, verse 8 says, but God demonstrates, he gives us this example of his own love in this, that while we were yet sinners, while I didn't take any steps towards God at all, Christ died for us. Put yourself in that. While God demonstrated his own love for me, while I was still missing it big time, Christ died for me. See, right before Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus was in the garden, and he was there, and he was agonizing, and, and he was praying and asking God what his next steps was and, and really struggling with it in his humanness. In Luke chapter 22, we pick up with th verse 39. But Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And can I tell you, that's a great thing for all of us to, to look at and say, Jesus is instructing them, but he's also instructing me. Pray that you don't fall into temptation. It's part of the Lord's prayer, we call it, the disciples' prayer. Lead us not into temptation. God, help us not to fall into that. Verse 44, and he withdrew. Jesus went away about a stone's throw beyond them. And Jesus got by himself and started praying. And this is what he said, verse 42. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. He's saying, in my humanity, in my physical body, I'm freaking out. I do not want to be crucified. I don't want to go through this terrible agony. I don't want to be beaten almost to the point of death. But look at this. Yet, not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. Will you say that out loud with me? Not my will, but yours be done. Please bow your heads with me this morning. I ask this so often, but where do you find yourself this morning? Whose will is being done in your life? Are you ready to surrender your will like Jesus did? Jesus came and humbled himself and became obedient regardless of the cost. And then when he sent their face with the cost, said, not my will. Not how I want it to happen, God, but I'm going to surrender to you. Are you ready to surrender like Jesus? Today can be the day. I invite you to pray this simple little prayer with me, and I'll help you with the words. Say, Jesus, today I surrender my life.
I surrender my will. I'm taking your example. I'm trusting you. Say these words. Not my will, Lord, but yours. Be done in me. I invite you to come live inside of me. Save me. Change me. Show me what and how to do it. And today I'm coming to you. And I put my hope in you. And I'll take your direction. I'll learn from you. I put my faith in you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father God, I pray for everyone who said that prayer with me. That let me help them with the words. God, that they experience this rush of acceptance. And they understand how precious they are in your sight. Father God, I pray that you would be there with them and help them. Show them what their next step is. Show them what you want from them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And I want to invite you, if you prayed that prayer with me, even if you've prayed it five million times before, when I was growing up, I used to do that every week with Rex Humbard, me and him. We had an appointment. We're gonna, he's going to give this message. I'm going to realize I'm a sinner, and I'm going to pray that prayer. And I don't know how many months or years that went on. That's okay. If that's you, I want you to text us to our communication line. Text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114. And those watching online, you'll see the, the banner at the bottom, the lower third, it's going to come up and give you that. But it's the word NEXT. Text that to 469-289-1114. As I opened up with, we love hearing the testimonies. We love hearing what's going on in your life. We love hearing what God is changing. And, and, and I can't help nobody. All I can do is tell you about him and how he's helped me. But we love hearing what God is doing in your life. And I want to encourage you to invite somebody to go on this journey with you. I talked about in my message how the, there was that group of us that we all did life together. Invite people. Maybe it's just to come and, and listen to the podcast and you send them a link to it. And maybe it's that you're going to send them to say, hey, watch this YouTube video. Or maybe say, hey, come over to my house and watch it. Or maybe you want to come visit us in person. All of those things are there and available to you. And lastly, for those of you who are interested in how you can be a part of the financial stability and, and helping us as a church. And one of the things I talked about in the message was how God's called us to tithe and to give to him, which is through the local church. The way you can accomplish that through us is simply going to give to belong.com. It's also in the app. You can find it a million different places. It's on our website, but give to belong.com is a direct link there. If you will stand to your feet and we're going to pray and be dismissed. Father God, I just thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I thank you that you are great about this great work that you're doing. Not just in Plano, Texas. Not just in Dallas, Fort Worth. But around the world. Lord, I thank you that people are watching and listening from all around the world. Bless them. Father, I speak a blessing over all the connection cards, all the welcome texts that came in. Lord, for the people who texted next because they accepted you. Lord, the people who have sent in prayer requests. God, I just thank you that you're doing so much. And Lord, specifically, I pray a blessing over everyone who's given to this ministry. I speak a blessing over their tithes and their offerings. And Lord, in the alms to help the poor. Lord, we just speak a blessing over all these things. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.